0: Bill O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News. Wednesday, March 31st, 2021. Stand up for your country. A lot to tell you about uh, on the border in particular. We've done some investigating down there, and I think you're going to want to hear what we've come up with. So the president's schedule today uh, was nothing other than traveling to Pittsburgh for an address on uh, Build Back Better, which means spend more money. Um, I don't want to be cynical about it, but it's essentially a huge government-funded infrastructure program that does a little bit more than roads and bridges. Um, It uh, provides, and I don't know whether this is going to get through. Remember, this has to be okayed by Congress. But it provides free pre-K, universal free pre-K, free community college. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff has nothing to do with infrastructure and it has a lot to do with socialism. You can make an argument that pre-K for poor people, working class people might be a tax write-off. I think I'd probably do it that way. Free community college, no, it's already very low. Um, And if you can't cut that, you can't cut it. I'm sorry to be callous, but we don't live in a socialist country yet. So Mr. Biden is there, and, and his vision and his remarks are, don't worry about the economy, even though I'm going to raise taxes all over the place on corporations and affluent Americans, Don't worry, because we're going to create so many more jobs that all of this is going to benefit America big time. He said pretty much the same thing on January 27th of this year when he shut down the XL pipeline, the tape. We're also going to create more than a quarter million jobs to do things like plug the millions of abandoned oil and gas wells that pose an ongoing threat to the health and safety of our communities. They're abandoned wells. They're open now. And we're going to put people to work. We're not going to lose jobs in these areas. We're going to create jobs. All right, so I asked my crack staff, and they are a very excellent staff, can you find me one, just one, job that's been created by the biden administration all right federally directed job in this area we can't so that was january 27th it's now march 31st not one and thousands of people have lost their jobs because the pipeline has been shut down so when he tells you the president tells you you have to be a little skeptical because The public sector, that is federal government, state government, very rarely create jobs, very rarely. And I don't even know if there's any mechanism for people to work in the green energy industry through the federal government. I I don't know of it. If it exists, let me know. If you know, please tell me. So all of this is like blowing smoke at this point. All right. Now um, the proposal, as I mentioned, has a whole bunch of stuff in it. We assume once it gets to the Senate and then they debate in the House, it'll it'll come down a little bit from four trillion into I guess three trillion. That makes five trillion with the COVID spending, and, and you know they don't have the money. So Joe Manchin, the senator of West Virginia, is a swing vote because Manchin's basically a conservative Democrat or a moderate Democrat. And he he doesn't like a lot of this radical socialism stuff. So what did uh, Joe Biden do, President Biden do, uh, as far as Joe Manchin is concerned? Well, this is interesting. So um, President Biden has nominated Gail Connolly Manchin. and she is. That's Joe's wife. To serve as co-chair of the Appalachian Regional Commission, ARC at a salary of about $165,000 a year, and she'll get the job. So Mrs. Manchin, courtesy of President Biden, now has a job that pays $165,000, which in West Virginia is pretty darn good. Of course, she lives in Washington much of the time, but that's a pretty nice salary. Now, some conservatives, some anti-Biden people are saying it's a bribe. It's not a bribe. She's qualified to do this job. Mrs. Manchin is qualified to do the job. Not a bribe, but (laughs) Eh, let's see how Joe Manchin, let's see how he behaves. My job to bring this to your attention. And that has not been reported widely among the corporate media. Border insanity. All right. Now, I always tell you guys, when you watch the Spin news, good to have a pen and a paper. Okay. so we're going to put some information up on a full screen. First full year Donald Trump took over, 2017, there were 415,000 apprehensions at the southern border. The next year, 2018, 521,000. So a pretty big leap. Then in 2019, a colossal leap in border apprehensions, almost a million, 977,000. But then in 2020, the year of COVID, the apprehensions dropped by 50%, 458,000, okay, from 977 to 458. That's pretty stunning. Now, the reason that happened was because the Trump administration put into effect a policy that said if you're going to apply for asylum, you have to wait in Mexico. Simple as that. You can apply and the United States will do the paperwork, but you can't stay here while we do it. You've got to stay in Mexico. That stopped much of the migrant intrusion into the U.S.A. Now, as soon as Joe Biden got elected, he knocked that out. My question, because you know I'm a simple man, and I talked about this today with Hannity on his radio program, so my question is why? Why did he knock it out? Who does that benefit? Does it benefit migrants drowning in the Rio Grande River? Does it benefit tens of thousands of children crammed into Border Patrol spaces? Who, Who is benefiting here outside of the drug cartels, which charge thousands of dollars to every migrant. To allow them to cross in here. So who does it benefit? I still haven't got an answer to that. Nobody knows. So um, you basically have a situation where finally, under massive pressure, the Biden administration did let some journalists into these facilities that are housing hundreds of thousands of migrants. And there they are. You can see it. I mean, it's crazy. And these are children, many of them, under the age of 18. So we are on track right now, the year 2021, for a million, a million migrants to come into this country. I mean, it's just stunning. Now, we don't even know how many people get in and the Border Patrol has no contact with them. All right. So there are uh, there's a nickname for them. They're called gotaways, gotaways. That's the Border Patrol uh, nickname for people they don't catch. Nobody knows how many gotaways there are. These are just people the Border Patrol uh, confronts. Some of them turn themselves in, some of them are just caught. But the gotaways, nobody can calibrate. So a new poll from uh, NPR asked a very simple question, and I like simple questions. Do you approve or disapprove of how President Biden's handling immigration? Approve 34 percent. Disapprove 53 percent. By party, Democrats approve 66 percent because Democrats are going to approve of everything Joe Biden does. There isn't anything that he can do bad. Now, there were Trump supporters who did the same thing, to be fair. Disapprove in the Democratic Party, 23 percent. Republicans approve 5 percent. Disapproved 89% independence, and here's the key. Approved 27, disapproved 53. So, again, uh, all added up, disapproved 53, approved 34, unsure 14, NPR poll. Um, The last thing I want to tell you is that according to the Washington Post, not a reliable source of information, but I got to tell you when they report something, 14% of all the migrant minors have tested positive for COVID. That's a lot, that's a lot. Joining us now, Stephen Miller. He, uh, one of the architects of the Trump immigration policy and he's coming to us from Florida today, senior White House advisor to President Trump. I wanna just walk through this because as you know, I'm a very simple man. You're much smarter than I am. I don't want to get confused by what you tell me, Mr. Miller. All right. Number one, when Donald Trump took over as president, there were caravans, thousands of people coming here. And for the first three years, they just came and came and came. What drove that?
1: So the problem of illegal family migration and illegal Minor migration really began in earnest in 2013 and 2014. And this was the problem known as catch and release, where people would make asylum claims. Those claims take weeks, months, even years to process. And so they would be released into the interior. And so large caravans took advantage of this in uh, coordination with smugglers to simply turn themselves in in huge numbers into the Border Patrol. We spent three years fighting the ACLU fighting radical left-wing judges and fighting activist injunctions to ultimately put in place a program to end catch and release. Once we did that, once if you were apprehended, you were sent to either Mexico or a safe third country, pretty much all caravans stopped. So you put up the numbers earlier of 2016, 2017, or 2017, 2018, and 2019. What happened in 2019 is The media started paying attention to the caravans. Word started spreading pretty widely in Latin America. Things started to explode. Fortunately, we got the Remain in Mexico policy in place. We got the safe thirds in place. And people will tell you that by early 2020, it was a solved problem. Every single family that illegally came into the country was either sent home, sent to Mexico, or sent to a safe third country. There were zero releases. And therefore, almost no large groups coming to our border.
0: All right. So it took you three years to get to that point. How did you finally get that policy into play?
1: Well, we fought a lot in the Ninth Circuit and that ping pong back and forth. We were sued again by the ACLU, other far left groups in order to try to halt any policy that did anything in effect but release illegal aliens. So it wasn't just the remain in Mexico. That obviously is one of the most crucial ones. But effectively, any strategy that we applied ended up going into court. So part of it was ultimately just winning those court cases, which took a while. And the second piece was getting Mexico and Central American countries to cooperate, because this had never been done before in American history. So this was a first. Arguably, it's up there with some of the greatest foreign policy achievements that have ever took place
0: to yeah, get unfortunately, Mexico it, it, hit
1: these migrants right. back.
0: Okay, so you got Oberador to put his army on both borders, the southern border of Guatemala and the northern border with the USA. How did President Trump do that? Because Obrador didn't want to do that.
1: Yes, yeah, so it was a combination of both hard and soft diplomacy. So we had Mexico, as you mentioned, they secured their, their northern border, they secured their southern border, and they also had their migration authorities all throughout the smuggling routes apprehending and deporting illegal immigrants, and we would actually monitor that progress on a day-to-day basis. Plus, if they came to our border, promptly returned to Mexico. The soft diplomacy was the personal relationship between Lopez Obrador and President Trump, economic cooperation, trade cooperation in the form of USMCA, and also counter-narcotics cooperation. So we had very active counter-narcotics cooperation going on in Mexico to try to fight these cartels. Hard diplomacy in the form primarily of threatening economic sanctions in the form of tariffs. The combination of hard and soft diplomacy yielded the biggest breakthrough in immigration policy really since 1950. And it okay. was a game changer.
0: But we had to give Mexico money to uh, fund all of these people waiting in Mexico for their asylum request, right? We granted them extra aid, is that correct? We
1: provided a small amount of support specifically for detention costs in Mexico, but relative to what we were spending on US detention, we're probably saving $99 out of 100.
0: Interesting. Um, How much does it cost, just generally speaking, for the United States to fly migrants back to their homes in central and south america
1: you know it's i haven't looked at the numbers recently in terms of what those flights cost keep in mind that congress already funds what we call ice air which is the ice plane fleet and so that's already a, a sunk cost Filthy. if you will the planes right. are there and so you know probably the additional cost per head if i had to guess was you know one two hundred dollars per person per flight But again, we're talking we're talking hundreds
0: of millions of dollars that this is costing the United States to send people back. I mean, it would have to be if you have millions of people coming in here.
1: Yes. Although what I would underscore is that it's a decreasing cost as time goes on, because what happened was is that, again, by early 2020, we had the lowest in custody numbers in recorded history in custody, meaning people that are inside a Border Patrol or ICE facility, because you're returning people to Mexico so quickly, including by land. Yeah, just I, 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 yeah you save the it.
0: money that you'd have to spend here. Now, I don't think President Trump will mind this, but in one of my conversations with him, private conversations, I suggested that he designate the Mexican drug cartels as terrorist groups. And if he had done that, which he didn't, he could have attacked them with drones, special forces, you know that. Um, if you're a t- designated terror group, the United States can go on offensive military operations against you. I strongly suspect that he didn't tell me this, that that was one of the persuaders for Obrador to cooperate with the immigration because Obrador did not want that terror designation on the cartels. Am I in the ball game here?
1: Well, what I would just say is that López Obrador, unlike some of his predecessors, did have a strong view about U.S. special operations in Mexico. And so it's certainly the case that that was something that he was very much opposed to. Right. Uh, I can't really get into the details of anything beyond that. But it's also the case that cooperation between U.S. and Mexico on counter-narcotics has effectively broken down completely since Biden took over.
0: Okay, last question. And this was a question that I asked Hannity today on a radio program, even though it was his program. Joe Biden has not, to my knowledge, explained why he knocked out the Wait in Mexico program. He hasn't said why he did it. Do you have any idea why the man did it? I don't think Joe Biden himself
1: personally knows. I doubt that he really has much understanding of what's going on on the border. I suspect the advisors around him, though, are deeply committed to the idea that illegal immigration is good for the Democratic Party long term in terms of expanding its power base, that it's bad politics now, but over time that it's good for increasing the number of Democrat voters. That's certainly their view. And I think they're fairly well committed to it. Consequences be damned for the rest of the country.
0: But this could sink the Biden administration if the economy goes south, and the immigration thing is people aren't going to forget this. That could right, be they're the playing end. with
1: fire. They're playing with they fire. Are. It's going to hurt them right. badly in the midterms, and more importantly for the country, it's hurting millions of Americans in the form of lost jobs, in the form of drugs, in the forms of crime, in the form of the you know you talk about cost. Long term, you are talking trillions of dollars in cost to taxpayers by letting in millions of illegal immigrants.
0: Mr. Miller, thank you very much. Happy Passover. Thank Thanks for taking the time. We really appreciate it. We'll talk soon, I hope. Thank you. Thank you. Everything is expensive these days. You know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. So Governor DeSantis in Florida, he is rejecting the concept of vaccine passports. I can tell you there will not be vaccine passports sponsored by states or the federal government. That is clearly unconstitutional because it's a violation of your medical privacy. It's not going to happen. Okay, But what will happen, I think, is that private businesses will ask you to see your vax card. So when I got vaccinated, I got a card that proves I was vaccinated. That card will be requested by some businesses, which they can do. All right. They'll say we need it for public safety, um, and whatever it may be. So it could be a restaurant, it could be a concert hall, could be an athletic event, could be a private school, could be a private school. All right. All of those things, are going to be allowed to ask to see if you're vaxxed. But the government cannot do this. Okay? In London, on Sunday, we don't have updated stats, they had zero COVID deaths for the first time in a year and a half. And that's because they have a vaccine they developed over in England, Oxford Uni AstraZeneca. So in Great Britain, right now, There are, let's see, I had the number, 33 million Brits vaccinated out of 68 million. All right. So they're almost at 50 percent over there. So you can see the cases going down. But in Europe, they don't have a vaccine because they didn't develop one. So Germany, France, Spain, Sweden, Finland, Iceland, Denmark, Norway, Canada. Canada is not Europe. Um, and have all said, we don't like this um, AstraZeneca vaccine, so we're not going to use it on a mass level, whereas Britain is. And so most of the countries I just named are shut down. They're having a third wave of COVID over there. I think that's fascinating. Here in the USA, COVID cases are up, actually, on the last two weeks, but deaths are way down so in our population 330 million we have about 45 percent either fully vaxxed or one shot that's big by memorial day it'll be 80 percent 85 there'll be 20 15 20 percent of americans who don't take the vax okay and you don't have to take it they can't force you to take it so that's where we are biden approval numbers on covid same npr poll remember He got hammered on illegal immigration, but on COVID distribution, uh, 65% of Americans say Biden's doing a good job getting the vax out. 28% say he's not. I think the federal government's doing a good job getting the vax out. I think that's true. Okay. Two police officers in Washington, D.C. are suing Donald Trump because they say that he encouraged the January 6th incursion into the Capitol, and they got hurt. James Blassingame, Sidney Hemby. Okay, they're suing Trump directly. Now, this will get thrown out, boom. But they're doing it for publicity. They have lawyers working, you know, for free, just to try to embarrass the president. Not going anywhere. Just thought I'd mention it. All right, my pal, Lester Holt. Let me give you some background. I have mentioned this before. I worked with uh, Mr. Holt at Channel 2 in New York, WCBS. Uh, I found him to be a very skilled reporter way back then. He and I were, I think, two of the toughest reporters on uh, city streets. Uh, We both anchored on the weekends on separate days. Um, And he was an honest guy, a good guy. I liked talking to him. So now he's one of the most powerful journalists in the country as the anchorman of NBC News. He gets the Edward R. Murrow Lifetime Achievement Award from Washington State University, and he deserves it. In his speech accepting the award, Lester Holt says this. Providing an open platform for misinformation, for anyone to come say whatever they want, especially when issues of public health and safety are at stake, can be quite dangerous. Our duty is to be fair to the truth, Holding those in power accountable is at the core of our function and responsibility. We need to hear our leaders' views, their policies and reasoning. It's really important, but we have to stand ready to push back and call out falsehoods. Well, that's good in theory, but the corporation that Mr. Holt works for does not do that. That would be NBC, Comcast. And I'm not picking on them. This is... What's happening throughout corporate media. So let me give you some examples. Um, Recently, uh, uh, President Biden said that President Trump, while he was in office, caused children to starve south of the border. That's not true. But NBC News did not report it, did not mention it, didn't say a word about it. Whereupon, when Donald Trump was in office and he said something that wasn't true, and he did, NBC was all over it, as you know, as everybody knows. So is this Lester Holt's fault? No, it's not his fault per se, because he can't edit every show. But I'm sure Lester knows that NBC has an entire network devoted to propaganda. MSNBC. That's not a news gathering operation. Now, Lester didn't have anything to do with that, but his correspondents go back and forth. So Comcast funds, under the banner of NBC News, MSNBC, which is just propaganda. They're not looking for the truth. And there's nobody who can dispute what I say. You can't possibly dispute it. The evidence is beyond any reasonable doubt. NBC makes money by spouting left-wing progressive propaganda and by hating conservative Republican traditional Americans. That's what they do. So poor Lester in theory is correct. You don't put on television, Propaganda, stuff you know isn't true, even if it comes from a president. You don't do that. You have to challenge it. But at the same time, his own company is deeply invested in propaganda. Thought i point it out because nobody else will. Starving children south of the border? Show me one. Cable news networks, I told you this. God, had it had to be six, eight months ago. I said when Donald Trump left the building like Elvis, all right, news ratings will go down. March ratings are in. This is the last day of March, as you may know. Um, Primetime, cable news ratings. Fox News down 34%. That's from March 2021 to March 2020. They're down this year. CNN down 37%. And CNN, they have a lot of audience to begin with. MSNBC lost 19%. Again, they didn't have a lot. Fox had much more audience to lose. So all three prime times are hemorrhaging viewers. In total day, that means sign on to sign off, 6 a.m. to 6 a.m., 24-hour cycle, Fox News off a whopping 40%, CNN dropped 32%, MSNBC 19%, okay? That's Monday through Sunday, every day, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Now, why? Because Donald Trump was such a provocateur. He was so intense and people either loved him or hated him. It was like a soap opera every day. What is he going to say? What is he going to tweet? Who's going to stick up for him? Who's going to hate him? That was it. And they all, the shows, just reported on him. Very few other things. We never did that here, which is why we continue to grow like crazy. We haven't had a down month. I I think in four years. It's like boom, 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 boom. Because we, we didn't do that. We reported on the things that directly affected you which is what our core is anyway i in the summer it's going to be unless there's a big story and i think the collapse of the biden administration which i think is going to happen in late fall around november i think the economy with these tax rises that's when it's going to kick in if that happens then people will come back but this summer going to be pretty tough Not only the cable, but the network news is losing, too. They're losing audience, too. All right. Matt Goetz, a uh, congressman from Florida. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I don't know much about it. All right. Um, So the playbook is if you want to hurt a conservative, traditional white man. Who do you call? The New York Times. That's where you go. okay? again, you want to hurt a conservative, traditional white man. You go there because they're in business to do that. The newspaper is. So somebody leaks to um, The New York Times that uh, Congressman Getz uh, was dating a 17 year old and may have paid for her to take a trip with him. I have no clue about any of this. How could I possibly know? I don't know Mr. Getz very well. I met him a couple of times, but I don't know. All right. So I cannot weigh in on the story, the validity of it. I can tell you I know why it was leaked to destroy Matt Getz. Because all you're going to see is that big headline. So Getz himself um, goes on television, which I think was a mistake, and puts forth his side of the story. What he should have done was had an attorney with him. See, he I don't mind him. I, I shouldn't say I don't mind. It's effective for someone accused to give his or her side of the story, but you should have an attorney with you who can supply data. Okay. Gets him to do that. should have. But one of the reporters for the New York Times shows up on MSNBC, of course, and says this. Go. He is basically destroying and blowing up an FBI investigation, which is in itself something you would
1: think would be against his own interest. You would think that he would be wanting to work with the FBI, and you would think he would want to
0: keep this quiet. That's just so disingenuous. She destroyed the FBI investigation, that reporter and two others. She broke that story based upon an anonymous tip. So now she's saying on MSNBC, Lester Holt, well, we can do it, but Getz can't defend himself. He should be defending himself. Mm. The corruption doesn't even come close. All right, so I'm not going to bother with this, again, unless there is a total acquittal of the congressman or an indictment. They say in history, March 31st, 1918, daylight savings time begins. Now, this is a fascinating story. A lot of people don't like daylight savings time. I kind of like it myself. All right? And if you live in the south, you don't need it because the sun stays up longer the further south you go. All right, so 103 years ago, the immortal... Woodrow Wilson (laughs) signs a daylight savings bill to allow extra time to save energy during World War I. Now, subsequently, studies say daylight savings time doesn't really save energy, but Woodrow didn't know that. All right, so it comes into play 103 years ago today. But then after World War I, Congress says we don't like it, and it goes away. But then in World War II, 1942, FDR says, we need it, wartime. Daylight savings time comes back, all right, in 1942. But then in 1945, when the war is over, Congress goes, we don't like it. It goes away (laughs) again. Then on April 13, 1966, Congress passes the Uniform Time Act, which says we're going to have it in America, daylight savings time. It's going to be here. Okay, and that has um, stayed to this day. Two states don't have it. Arizona, they don't like it. And Hawaii, Hawaii doesn't need it because the sun is pretty much the sun all year round there. Seventy countries, 70, have daylight saving time, but China doesn't have it. (laughs) And neither does Japan. I thought you'd be interested in that. All right, mail coming up, then a final thought on killing Jesus during Holy Week. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price
1: of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
0: All right, DeMail, Angela Greblin, Colchester, Vermont. Bill, you said President Biden has a daily conference call with Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Now I understand who's running the administration. I said a weekly call. It's important to get the facts right. I know I speak fast sometimes, Angela. No problem. And Biden does keep in very close touch with Sanders and Warren. Tony. I can't think of a better way to become a socialist country than open the borders with unskilled labor pouring in that many will need U.S. government for support. Oops, I just gave the ending away. Okay. Edith. Uh, No, I'm sorry. Edith. Well, I'm going to read Edith's letter because I mentioned her name. Bill, has it ever been a good idea to spend money, to send money to a corrupt government? Iran comes to mind. We didn't send them money. All right. We just unfroze their own money. Mary Jane, concierge member. Thank you, Mary Jane. Bill, you're right in saying that no matter what the verdict is in the Floyd trial, it will end badly for the country. It's gotten to the point where I watch the news and I get sick to my stomach. John Ferreira, Monterey, California, beautiful town. The Bill of Rights, bad idea to call them amendments, should be unalienable rights. Can they be repealed? Yeah, in theory, but they can't really because the Bill of Rights extends through 10 amendments. So if you want a knockout amendment, you need two thirds vote in the House and the Senate. OK, and the president has to go along or three quarters of the states. OK, no, I'm sorry, two thirds of the states. So you need either or, either House two thirds, Senate two thirds, president signature or two thirds of state legislatures. Have to kick the amendment out. Prohibition got kicked out. If you wanna create a new amendment, you need three quarters of the state legislatures, three quarters of the state. That's why very rarely does that happen. Gary Moore, Prescott Valley, Arizona. Bill, why I agree with you that the rise in gas prices came about because of Biden's executive orders. I recently saw a post on Facebook that the rise in prices is due to gas companies producing summer blends of gas that cost more to produce. Well, why didn't it happen last summer, Gary? You know, this kind of BS, it just walks. You want the truth? Listen to me. Paul Butko, Sarasota, Florida. A COVID passport would be a violation of law. What's next? A COVID passport to eat at a restaurant? Could happen because the restaurant's private, as I mentioned. Lynn Popovich, Chelsea, Michigan. I live in an apartment building full of senior citizens. They all watch CNN, and I ask them, why? And they tell me they believe what they're hearing. What are you going to do, Lynn? Nunez Babian just finished Killing Crazy Horse from your former New York born and raised fan. Keep up the great writing, Bill. The book so impressed me, I felt I was back there in history with the Native Americans. So sad. Killing Crazy Horse, a mammoth success. Uh, more than 500,000 copies sold, still going along at a great clip. If you pre order, killing the mob out May 4th, you get 50% off killing crazy horse. Thank you, Nunez. I appreciate it. Ted, the further society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those who speak it. The further a society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those who speak the truth. George Orwell. Caroline, I wind up my day with the no-spin news. Hearing you makes sense of the chaos going on. I get better informed and go to bed with hope. Good. Caroline, that's what we're here to do. Okay, word of the day, be cogent. Positive word, not a negative word today. Cogent, C-O-G-E-N-T, when writing to BillOreilly.com. Bill at BillOreilly.com. Back with the final thought on killing Jesus. So here's the final thought of the day. We're going into Holy Thursday tomorrow, Good Friday, then Easter. And I wrote a book called Killing Jesus, massive bestseller, as you know, and produced a movie that was a huge hit, too. Here's a clip of the film. Go. You are accused
1: of acts of sorcery. Spreading lies, corrupting others.
0: I spoke openly in synagogues, a temple. Places where Jews came to hear of God? They came to hear of God. The words you gave them came from Satan. Why not ask those who have heard me? They know what I said. This is where you
1: answer the high priest?
0: <laughs> I think Killing Jesus is the best movie about the Nazarene ever produced anywhere. The cast is fantastic. I oversaw the script. It's accurate as far as history is concerned. You can get that on demand, and it doesn't cost very much money. I would tell you that if you are at all interested in Christianity, in Jesus, the man, I hope you read the book. But there is no better viewing over this Holy Week than Killing Jesus, the movie. I wanted to bring to your attention Um, it when it came out, I think it was five, six years ago, uh, maybe a little more seven. Uh, It was a great hit and millions of people watched it. But I just recently rewatched it. I mean, this film, it ranks up there. It was nominated for an Emmy, Best TV Movie. We didn't win. It's all right. Um, we were nominated, which with my name on it, <laughs> it was a miracle. Thank you, God. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. But um, I wanted to bring it to your attention. I think if you do uh, get Killing Jesus on Demand and you have your whole family watch it, you'll have a lot of discussion. Um, you'll be enthralled. And it is a very worthy project for Holy Week. All right. We'll see you tomorrow.